Here we go. Meditation toolbox. If you want to personally know how to dig into the Word of God, how to meditate, and that's what we're going to talk about right now, the concept of meditation be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We have to change the way we think. There's one thing on putting off the old ungodly habits, and we need to stop, okay? But before we can start, we don't want to just be humanistic in behavioral patterns. And even as you dads, it's not, oh, if I could just get my son to make it through high school without really blowing his mind or getting a girl pregnant. or It's all based on consequences that make us look bad as a dad. That's not the goal. The goal is a renewed mind, a brand new mind, okay? So number one, your Bible. Your Bible is the very words of God. I think you know the verse, all scripture is given by, and what does inspiration mean? God breathed. What does God breathe mean? Inspiration, okay? All right, can I treat you like 14-year-olds right now? Everybody take your hand, put it up in the air, put it in front of your mouth, repeat after me. Peter picked a peck of pickled peppers. How many pickled peppers? These words for every single one of us, and he wanted us to have them so it's so important that we have each one of them. He asked his friends like Moses and Jeremiah and Isaiah and David and Matthew and John and Paul to write them down for us. And it is what we have is the precious word of God. This book is so important. I trust that there's not a day goes by without your digging into this book. You need to read the word of God. You say, Rand, I don't understand it all the time. So talk to your pastors to get a study Bible to help you to understand it. Try the chronological Bible, one-year chronological Bible. It is a great way to read all the way through Scripture, okay? There's so many, many, many ways. Now, with that in mind, a study Bible, and there's many great ones out there. Again, you talk to your pastors, and they can explain to you, here's one. I try to read a different Bible through every year, and the different study Bibles, and there's MacArthur's, there's the Open Bible, there's so many different ones. I love just to slowly read through them and just see the notes and how they approach it and so forth. So get yourself a Bible, get yourself a study Bible, and number three, word study helps. If you really want to know how to meditate, okay, word studies, guys like Zodiades, I have everything that he's ever written, okay, complete word study Bible. There's Robertson's, there's Vines, there's Vincent's, there's, all, there's Kittle, okay, you can get the little Kittle, one volume or ten volume, big Kittle. You could spend three hours on the word thought if you wanted to, okay, but words are important. Because words change over time. You might be reading through your Bible, and as you're talking to some teens, yeah, Stephen got stoned. Oh, yeah, well, my buddies got stoned two weeks ago. You know, it's a totally different stoning. Got it? <laughs> so understand that words, and for you guys that teach and preach, I have found that my word studies, as I dig through those, is where I normally get the illustrations. Because as you're studying the import and how that word is used in other places, like, oh, that reminds you of, it's a great way to get illustrations, Okay. Number four, Bible dictionaries. Now, I'm going to say this. As you approach birthdays, Christmas, I know you can go on Amazon.com Amazon and get their wish list, okay? And your kids want certain things. Could I encourage you dads to start building your kids' library for your sons and daughters? For our kids, when it came birthday or Christmas, we would get them things they wanted, but we also got them like Spurgeon's, you know, six volume there in the Treasury of David. Or we get him uh, the B-series, two volumes of the whole New Testament. Or maybe we bought him uh, 
Zadarve Pictorial Bible Dictionary so that their libraries are already set. So even when they do get to the point where they want to dig in, they have these helps. And of course today, with Lagos and PC Study Bible, there's so much online things you can do for them too. Regarding Bible dictionaries, I have never in my life, I have plowed, but I've never plowed with oxen. I have never fished in the Sea of Galilee with a net. I never ha I've never gone out to a field to sow. I don't even know how to sew. I don't know where you put the needle through the thread. Okay, I don't even know. And I tell teenagers he went out in the field to sew. They're thinking, what is the guy sitting out there? Was he knitting a sweater? What is he doing? Because they have no concept of the agrarian culture that the Bible was written in. That's why you get a Bible dictionary. You understand that he's casting out the seed, sowing the seed. Okay, now I understand. So this is a great help in understanding as you meditate on Scripture. Number five is the most expensive, or we think so. Commitment of time. If you don't have time for God, then you better do a time study real quick. Come on, Fox News gets more time than God does, and it repeats every 11 minutes. And if you stop today watching it and in two weeks pick it up again, it hasn't changed one bit, okay? <laughs> it's just, why do we waste so much time on the temporal? Come on, once I get to the end of my day, I am so sleepy. I would only be able to do devotions, if you know what I'm saying. That's a very, uh, I, I don't want to call it pragmatic, but when I do devos, that means it's dutiful. I have to do something. That's, I don't want to do devotions. I want to get up in the morning and spend time with God. And I get up and I make the coffee and I fix the fire. You guys probably don't have to do that. I fix the fire, I get the coffee going, I throw the corn out for all the turkeys, okay? And then I sit down in my study. I'm ready to go. Now, for me personally, I was a plumber getting through college, okay? And um, I worked in the cast iron foundry for a couple years during that time. I am not academic. I couldn't go to grad school. My GPA was so low. I just knew how to work. I grew up working on the farm. And I never thought I could read much. But once I started reading and digging into the Word of God, I'm telling you guys, it changed my life. I am not a pastor. And so I don't get to go to my office and have time that I have designated for study. I'm a camp director that travels, and I direct a camp, and I have to travel a lot, and I do a lot of maintenance work and snow removal and all that. And I just want you to understand that if, it was, if I didn't get up at 5.15 in the morning, get everything set up, and have from 6 to 8 with the Lord, I wouldn't make it. That's what Rand needs. Now, you say you can pull it off with an hour a day, wonderful half hour a day. For me, I don't know about you. I, it, I can't even get my mind slowed down for the first 10 minutes. So what I normally do is just read through a book in the Bible for about 10, 15 minutes just to, and that's when I'm ready to start. Now, I also want to encourage you on the best days for your personal time with God. Guess what day it is? Sunday morning. You say, whoa, 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 Rip. I don't have devotions on Sunday morning. Got Sunday school, got church, and then go back at night. I get three hours. I try to get up. If I'm not traveling to preach, I get up extra early on Sunday morning. And I spend that time with the Lord. By the time I get to church, my heart is so full, I just want more and more and more, okay? So I really encourage you, and that's the day you don't have to get up as early and go to work. So let Sunday morning be one of those days, okay? Number six, a set place. 
Where do you spend time with God? You say, well, Rand, I normally read during the commercials. Uh Uh-uh, that doesn't count, okay? I hope you have a set place, a set chair, a set room, somewhere where you go. It's already ready. There's no distractions. You're literally doing the Matthew 6 principle. You go to the closet and you shut the door because we live in a noisy world. And I want to push that noise out so it's just like me and God and nobody else. Because when it's just you and God, then you can take your Bible and for God so love the whole. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm in this world and you love me. Thank you. But you gave. I wish I had a heart to give as much as you do. You see what I'm doing? You talk to God and have his word talk to you. But you can't do that if you're always around other people and just trying to do your checklist that I spent time with God. It's not a checklist thing. It's spending time with your Lord. And the final one is prayer. Prayer is essential. Learning how to talk to God, okay? So I love my kids. We raise our kids in a very busy world. We had family devotions very consistently during the nine months. Summertime we didn't. I'm a camp director, went to services together, but it didn't work for our world. But family devotions is a very, very important part of our world. And in the family devotions, scripture memory was huge. We did a lot of scripture memory. And we prayed. But I have to be honest with you, I prayed with my kids, but I don't know if I ever taught them how to pray. They heard me pray. But as far as teach them how to talk to God. Have you ever taught your sons, your daughters, how to talk to God. Even in this, you want to go where you always go, this certain place, and the way you pray and talk to your Heavenly Father, I want to know how to do that. And when Jesus is asked, he, gives, he gave him his prayer list. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Remember who you're talking to. Don't talk about God. Talk to God. Holy, hallowed be thy name. What was your first name again, brother? John. John. How you doing, John? Good to see you, John. I was wondering, John, if John's having a good day, John. Are you, John? Well, John, I see, John, that on John's man card, John, you got a number (laughs) of stickers, John. You really do, John. Well, John, I got to keep preaching, John, so see you, John. I hope you're having a good day, John. I really like John's shirt, John. So, John, bye, John. See you, John. (laughs) Now, if I talk to him like that, okay? Say, there's something wrong with Rand. (laughs) Have you ever listened to your prayers? Father God, we pray, Lord, that we better be careful. One of my staff prayed for lunch. Next day, I said, go pray for lunch. He goes, I just prayed yesterday. Go, I'm busy. I had a card and I had a pencil. In one lunch prayer at camp, he used the word Lord 41 times. Lord, we pray, Lord, that Lord... Now, I'm a different church almost every Sunday of my life other than the three months in the summer. And I've heard doozy prayers. Father God, Lord, we pray, Lord, that uh, this Saturday everybody comes for our potluck, Lord, and they put a little bit of uh, mass tape underneath the plate so we get it back, Lord. And they're making announcements. They're not talking to God. And sometimes the way they use God's name to sound spiritual Hey, John, I really like John's shirt. Would I say that if I'm talking to you? 
I'd say that if I'm talking to them. So I'd say, hey, John, I, I really like your shirt. Do you see your Bible? Now, please, don't take me to seat on this, but I'm telling you, this will help. Father God, we pr- thank you for the word of God and pray that. Now, who am I talking to? I'm not talking to God. Father, we thank you for your word and how it impacts our lives. I dare you to study your prayers. If your, lips, if your kids can lip sync to your prayers, if you say the same thing robotically, you're talking to God. And I'll tell you what I have done. Depending on the day, I always pray to my father because Jesus always talked about praying to our father. But there are days I say, my wonderful, loving father. And other days, my patient, forgiving, merciful father. I want to talk to God. Our father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, would you keep me in your will today? Would you keep my kids in your will? That perfect will that someday we'll be able to see on the new earth. Lord, I want it in my heart now. Lord, give us this day or what? And daily bread in the Old Testament was called what? Manna. What does manna mean? It literally means what is it, okay? My daughter's name is Anna, but when she came down the hall at age three with her hair everywhere, I go, what is it? Manna. I still call her manna, okay? Now, if you study manna, by the way, it's cool. Now, you know, children of Israel, they're in the desert. They go out every morning before the sun would come out and the frost would be disappearing, and they collect the manna. The Bible tells it what it tastes like. In one place, it tastes like fresh oil. Another place, it says it tastes like uh, honey. That sounds like a Dunkin' Donut to me. I don't know. <laughs> problem is we don't pray for our daily bread because we have cupboards full and we should spiritually because our cupboards are empty and those freezers have nothing in them I need to daily depend on you Lord I want to do your will you're my wonderful loving father help me to forgive others as you've forgiven me That's part of the Lord's prayer list for us. Have you ever been sinned against? Don't raise your hand. You ever struggle even with your wife, guys? You get a little bitterness in your heart? Lord, oh, I And I I would pray, I would encourage you to pray this. When you are treated like maybe you're worthless, nothing, stuff says it hurts, would you do this before you get upset? Would you ask God, Lord, is this how I treat you? Are you teaching me something? When you discipline your kids, say, Lord, am I this non-thinking to you? I don't even think I've ever counseled anyone, even with serious sin problems. I'm sitting there, they're sharing their stories. I'm thinking, Lord, please, please, Lord, please kill me first. I don't want to get involved in it. Lord, you help me. I don't want this ever to happen in my life. It scares me. It does. Okay? Talk to God. And when you learn to talk to God, I promise you it's going to make your meditation of Scripture so real to you, okay? I want you to say this verse together with reference, please. Ready? Proverbs 5, 22. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, 
and he shall behold him with the cords of his sinews. Amen. That is a great verse. What does it mean? I have no idea, but it's a great verse. Have you ever read through scripture and you get it done? You say, I have no idea what I just read. We've all been there. You know what it takes? Meditation. I will meditate upon thy precepts. Stop, slow down, and think. Meditation technically is an agricultural term. I again, grew up working on farms, and we raised a lot of cattle. How many of you live on a farm? Let me see your hands. Okay. How many have ever been on a farm? How many ever sang Old MacDonald had a farm? Okay? We got it. <laughs> All right. Pastor Peter, I'm going to make this real easy for these guys. The girl cows. Those are the ones that we get the milk from. White ones, black, uh, uh, we get to white milk and black ones, chocolate milk. You know all that, okay? <laughs> they get up early in the morning. They go out and eat the grain or eat the grass. And the way God made cows is they ruminate. That's the concept of meditation. To ruminate, or we use the phrase, they chew their cud. So if they eat at 6 in the morning, when they get hungry at 9 o'clock, all they do is take that food from one stomach and burp it back up into their mouth and chew it up again, swallow it, and put a different stomach. You get hungry again about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, same food. Am I cows? <laughs> we could be sitting in here right now, and somebody said, I wonder how long Rand's going to go. I'm getting kind of hungry. Oh, honey nut Cheerios breakfast. Boom, <laughs> bring it up. All right, now, we don't do that. But a cow chews to get every nutrient. So would you do that with me here? All right, we're going to take just a few minutes here, and we're going to break this down. And maybe if we have some English teachers in here, they can help us out. But the personal pronouns, his, himself, he, his. Grammatically, they're referring to who the subject of the sentence, which is who? Say it out loud if you know. Okay, very good. The wicked, his own iniquities. The wicked himself, he shall be holden of his sins. Now, when is a person wicked? Well, there's two aspects of wickedness. One is the word iniquity, and the other is the word sin. What's the difference? Why does God use the word iniquity in one place and sin in another place and trespass in another place and fall short in another place, error in another place? They all have a different aspect. Sometimes they overlap. If you take one of the word studies like Zodiades, you'll find that one of these is defiant rebellion. I don't care. And the other is a non-thinking do you ever do something that was just so, oh, I'm so stupid. Why did I say that? Okay, oh, wait, wait, we forgot this word, own. You guys help me. What do you mean, his own iniquity? Don't make this hard. This is not that deep, okay? Raise your hand. Make it as simple as you can. Yes, sir. He owns it. It's his, okay? Somebody else? Add to that. Keep going. If you don't raise your hand, I'm going to point to you, so you better get something in mind, okay? His own, yeah. Okay, it's him, personally, okay? Keep going. Hmm. If it's yours, it's not him. So when you get angry, whose fault is it? Yours? No, it's your wife's. It's your kids. It's God. He made me that way. He gave me that kind of background. There's no, it is not my fault. Yes, it is. All our sin is our fault. We can't blame it on our kids. We can't blame it on our boss. We can't blame it on the way we are made, our personality. Uh-uh. We choose to sin. So it's your personal sin that you choose. Okay, how about the words shall take? Now remember, when Proverbs was written, and these, this is a military phrase here, okay, military term. Remember Solomon, Lord of the Rings? Okay, very good. Capture or the bigger will be conquered. So his own sins comes, and very good. Somebody said, captured the wicked himself. Now, back in that day, they didn't want to just annihilate you and get rid of you. 
When they captured you, they had to use you to basically make you a slave. But until they can actually make you a slave, they got to put you somewhere to incarcerate you, shall be holden. In the, back in those days, what was the jail, you would say? What was it called back then? Dungeon. Very good. Help me out. What's a dungeon like? Yes. Dark. What do you say, bud? Okay, there was torture. It was dark. Keep going. Filthy. Filthy, yeah. I mean, they didn't get bathroom breaks, so the floor was like, mm hmm. Often rats. Okay. Keep going. Wet. Dirty. Can't hear you. Yeah. Only in Florida would anybody say that. I've been using this illustration for 40 years and I've never heard no air conditioning. What in the world? It's filthy, it's dark, you're around other people's sickness, disease, and normally it was a deep pit. So if I'm thrown down there with these other guys and the stuff all over the floor, I'm thinking, uh-uh, I'm getting out of here. But they're going to do something to make sure that I stay in that dungeon. They're going to be holding, they're going to incarcerate me and keep me there with cords. What was it called back in those days, days and nights? Chains, oars, shackles, very good. So they would capture an individual, throw him in this dungeon. They would chain up his arms and his legs. He knew he would die there. He wants to break free. He knows he'll never see his family. He'll probably die there. He wants to break free, but he can't. Okay, look at me, guys. What sin do you do over and over and over and over and over again? You almost feel like you're chained. You want to break free. You don't ever want to do it again. But you feel like you can't. You are enslaved by your own iniquity. You're in bondage to your own sin. Whoa. You know what we just did for six minutes? We meditated. We didn't even know what this verse meant six minutes ago. We take five, ten minutes on a simple verse, get a little help for word studies, and all of a sudden we sit here under conviction because we see how enslaving sin really is, okay? All right, would you read this one with me, with the reference, ready? 2 Peter 2.14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Okay, you ready? I want you to get three or four together. Sit next to each other or, in fact, right now, get your three or four. Even if you have to move the table, move around. Let's do that real quick. So I want you to be able to look at each other's eyes and talk. <laughs> 60 seconds. Be in a group of three or four. No more than four. No more than four. That's too many. Three or four. <laughs> Sit with somebody who's really smart if it helps you. All right, look this way, look this way. I'm not going to let you visit and have fun. We're going to go to school here, okay? We're going to take this very first phrase. I'm going to give you just 30, 45 seconds to talk amongst yourself the simplicity of what this is talking about, having eyes full of adultery, go.
10 seconds. Okay, stop. Have a spokesman for your table. Point to him right now. Got it? For your group? All right, help me out. Help me out. Raise your hand. Somebody raise their hand. Good and loud. Yes, sir. What do you want from me? I want you to tell us just what does it mean having eyes full of adultery? Um, absolutely seeing nothing but sin. And from a, no matter how sweet, no matter how innocent, no matter what it is, everything, every time you look at somebody, day in and day out, from morning till night, all it is is lustful thoughts and okay. desires. All right, very good. Fall, especially taken from the word fool. Somebody else. Yes, sir. Fool means a tool for anything else. Yeah, good. For God, or even the right thing. Yeah, God, could you take a hike, please? Because I want to have my eyes full of this. That's what it says. Somebody else? Anybody else want to add to that? Yes. You can be lustful and uh, still feel like you're focused on that. Yep, 100%. That is your focus. That's what you're thinking. Anybody else? Okay, yes, the eyes, this is where it begins. And um, yes. Okay. Now, you're going a little bit too far in this, which is not, you're, you'll get to there, okay? But just the simplicity of what the passage says, having eyes full of adultery. So what you are filling your eye gate with. In today's world, it could be porn, it could be a movie, it could be, going to the mall and watching people. It could be a lot of different things, okay? Now, we could take a lot more time, and we don't have time to really dig in, let everybody say everything about everyone. But it begins, and you'll see a digression in this verse, with the eye gate that is consumed, that is controlled by looking at immorality, okay? Let's take the next phrase, do the same thing, that cannot cease from sin, go. Okay, stop. This is kind of an easy one. Help me out. You cannot cease from sin. In the back. You can't stop. Yeah, don't make this hard. You can't, even if you want to, you almost feel what? Addicted? Habituated? Okay, it's as bad as a drug. Yes. Say it again. Consuming? Yep. Cannot cease from sin. So it begins with the eye gate. And if we never begin there, we never have the fear of becoming addicted to it. Once you begin looking, and now you become entrapped by this, then all of a sudden it starts to impact not just your thinking, but also your life. All right, let's go to this phrase, beguiling unstable souls. Go.
Okay, look this way. We're going to take each one of these three words. First word is beguiling. Uh, let me begin with this. When you do meditation, it's wonderful to use a concordance or if you have a Bible that has cross-references. Can somebody tell me another verse in Scripture that uses the word beguile? Okay, give me, give me a specific. I heard over here Colossians. Where is it used? Go ahead, read it. Okay, and it means to what? To seduce, to tr it means to entrap, to trick, to cheat out of, okay? Somebody else, another word, beguile? Who used, somebody else? Guile, you as he did Eve, okay? Satan cheated Eve out of God's best for her life. He tricked her. Now guys, understanding that the wicked world that we're talking about Especially in the moral world, it's, it's, a, it's a deceitful lust. It's a liar. So it cheats. These guys that allow their eyes to be filled and become habituated to this, often they're the ones that are cheating unstable souls, okay? What do you mean unstable? What does that mean? Yes? Okay. Okay, all right. Or unfulfilled, that might be, yes. Not grounded. Not grounded. Keep going. Don't make this hard. Not steady. Okay, not steady. Unwilling. What? Crazy. Well, <laughs> that could be, especially if you want air conditioning, okay? <laughs> Say it louder. Doubtful. Doubtful. Okay, kind of. Huh? Okay, it is weaker. You guys are making this a little bit too hard. Unbalanced. Back, okay, unbalanced. When learning how to walk, what age is unstable? 18 months? What? They, they, they're unstable. They easily fall. The last five guys I personally counsel, I may have mentioned this, that were addicted to porn, all five started at the age of 11. Unstable. They have never had even enough years by reason they used to learn how to discern. The reason they would say no is so they don't get in trouble or that's really bad, but it's not like what Christ has done for them consumes their heart that they just want to be thankful. That will come when they get 25, 28. Sometimes I get accused when I'm preaching on setting boundaries for our teens to protect them from destroying their lives that I'm issue-oriented. No, I'm not. A 14, 15-year-old boy, all he wants to do is make it to Friday without getting another zit and keeping his thought life clean. It's very simplistic because there's an instability in their life. They easily could fall, okay? Wicked people look for unstable girls. But these are unstable. What's the last word? What should that alone say to us? Yep, well, it's eternal. Eternal. We're talking about the souls of men here, okay? And they're being cheated out of the preciousness of being pure in life, okay? So these wicked guys, the digression here is they, they become habituated to their sin. Now they're even cheating others, and it could be through abuse, sexual abuse. could be introducing them to wicked uh, entertainment, et cetera, et cetera. Let's go to the next one. A heart they have exercised with covetous practices. Go. I'll give you a whole minute on this one.
Okay, got it? All right, let's tear it apart. First thing. Yes. Okay. Very, very selfish. Okay, want what I want. Don't care about other people. Somebody else. Habitual self-focus. Okay, habitual. There, that's maybe from the word exercise. Keep going. Okay. Um, yeah. If they anything you do over and over, if you choose or look ahead, how you can repeat it. Exercise, I thought of you thought of uh, protective or it, it becomes so many times natural, like muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay. Let's back up a little bit. Let's take the first main word there: heart. I heard of somebody over here say mind, and remember. I remember the old phrase, you miss God like from 18 inches. Guys, theologically, the heart is the mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, out of the heart proceeds the things that we say and think. So your heart is your mind. But think about this. Your heart also involves the emotion, the will, what you love. I'm telling you, consistent victory in the area of the mind is a heart issue. You will do what you love. And if you love you and your flesh more than you love your wife, you're going to cheat on her, either physically with someone else or mentally being online. It is a heart issue. So therefore, if you want to set a foundation for your young guys, you teach them to love God when they're young. Oh, they're in, they do love him when they're young. Jesus loves me, this I know, and they love the Lord, help them spend time with God and realize what God has done for them so they have such a heart for God that they won't have a heart for this sin. So a heart have they exercised. The word is gymnazo, from where we get our word. How many of you uh, faithfully every day go to Planet Fitness or something like that and exercise faithfully every week, okay? All right, how many of you should faithfully exercise every day? Gymnazo, heart, have they exercise? When you exercise, you got to plan on this. You got to prepare for this. You got to be set for this. You plan ahead. These guys, they have worked, as many of you have already said, they have exercised, they have perfected. I think it's interesting then the word covetous. Okay. What is covetousness? What is coveting? Selfish desires. Anything we long after, you can covet for good things, or you can certainly covet for. Okay, let's go back to comparison of other passages. Can somebody tell me some place in the Old Testament the word covet is used? Just raise your hand. Okay, what? And what does it say? Thou shalt not covet thy thy neighbor's ox or his ass, that's his truck and his car. They should not covet. Manservant, maidservant, that's the dishwasher and the dryer. I don't know. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Part of the Ten Commandments, God, knowing our hearts and what will destroy our lives, you could look at that ten ways to make us happy if we obey these. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, even if she is in a magazine or in a movie or on a website. God says this is sin. Coveting, the enemy of covetousness is contentment, okay? 
Because Hebrews tells when you're content, you do away with covetousness. And I love the rest of it. For the Lord says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. The presence of God gives you a contentment. But let's back up a little bit here. I read in Proverbs, it tells us how to love our wives. And it says, be ravished of thy youth. You old guys, look at me. It doesn't say youthful wife. Okay? And don't you, I've found that especially even with senior citizens, pornography is a huge issue. Huge. And don't pretend that it doesn't bother you. You be ravished with the wife of thy youth. And she's commanded to so love you that you have no need of spoil. No need to go and conquer anyone else to find anybody else. Okay? You keep a close, wonderful relationship, married men, with your wife. So you don't covet somebody else's. This heart issue, they have worked really hard to desire something God never intended them to have. God forgets you. I want this, but he never intended us to have it. And then the concept of cursed children there are consequences. We can choose our sin, but we cannot choose the consequences of our sin, okay? All right. What we just did, once again, is we meditate. Friends, you can, that's it. You can do this with your family. You can do this with a bunch of friends. You can take something like you can go and say, hey, let's go, to, let's do Philippians chapter 2 and how to be a real servant and go out for coffee and just talk about what you learned from Philippians 2. Do you know how that will honor God? How do you meditate with your sons? How many of you have sons in the home? Let me see your hands high. Okay. Now, sometimes it's a little bit awkward and, and teens, you go, uh-oh, here dad's going to preach to me again. And it gets awkward because dad does all the talking. Here's how I suggest you do this. Taking a book like I'm going to walk through the, uh, some of the meditations from the Last You Fall book, or it's the same thing with the Joseph book, I would encourage you not to buy one, but to buy two. And then I would encourage you to give assignments to each other. So dad, you and your son, say we're going to take meditations 7, 8, and 9 this week. You read them every day, all three of them, every day. Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Write down notes. And then you go out on Friday night. You used to take McDonald's, buy them a Coke. Now you mortgage your home, go to, you know, Starbucks and get a latte or whatever. But you go out, sit down, and hey, buddy, what did you get from this meditation? Let your son talk. And then you be honest with him and share what God taught you. So you see, you can do the same with your daughters, okay? You both study, for instance, maybe the one on fear. And a lot of girls are apprehensive and they're scared. And let them study fear and take her out for a date and talk about what you both learned. The Joseph book that Peter has held up a couple times, it's a six-week Bible study. Don't do it together. Do it separately and then talk about what you have learned. It's the same concept, guys. Don't just go fishing for your son. Teach him how to fish. If you fish for him, you supply a meal. If you teach him how to fish, you supply a life of food. Teach your sons how to think critically and approach the word of God. And it's actually kind of fun because as you're studying this together, you're thinking ahead, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell dad about this. Now, in that book, Lest You Fall, that you're being given, Here's some meditation fight. Do you really want to be a slave to sin? Lust gives. I'm sorry, love gives and lust takes. There are no secret sins. Why do you want 
what God forbids you to have. The root of all sexual sin is selfish pride. By the way, I can say this. Any man that gives in consistently to pornography is incredibly arrogant. No, Rand, I'm just a loser. No, you're not. You're arrogant. And you think you're better than God. And you think you know what will satisfy you more than it takes an arrogant man to tell God, forget you, care less about your wife and kids, and fill your mind with this. I'm not being mean, guys. But it's a very proud man that refuses to obey God. Some more. Don't be fooled by flattery. She really doesn't want you. You can't beat this all by yourself. You need some accountability. You are accountable to God himself. Don't just stay away from sin. Stay away from temptation. Your thoughts are an index to your character. You memorize, you meditate, and you master. And I will say, as you learn to meditate, you'll be shocked how quickly you've already memorized the verse. Because as you're thinking about every word, right now, if I had you close your eyes, you could almost go through the passage in Peter and each phrase, a heart they have exercised, the covetous practices and so forth, okay? The bottom line is to master it. The concept of mastering it is simply, I will not forget thy word. Keep your heart. We think in our hearts with all diligence, guys. That means continually consume your heart and your mind with the very words of God. Because every issue of life comes from this. I'm an adult, okay? But there's not many left. There's hardly any in America. And in Europe, there's a few. Somebody said, why? Well, one, they say because of the invention of black powder in the 14th century. Okay, I understand that. But you know why these things have kind of disappeared? I can tell you. Because the guys quit fighting. Most squires never became a knight. It was too, dil too much diligence, too much study, too much exercise. Day after day. In other words, they didn't become a knight. They were dismissed because they were content to be commoners. And I meet a lot of good people everywhere I go. A lot of good men, a lot of good teams. But I don't meet a lot of godly men and godly who are committed to an excellence in pleasing their God. At whatever point we're willing to suffer the discipline, the homework, the hours with God each day, at whatever point that we're willing to kneel before our God and say, I pledge my life to you, my Lord, my King. I will live for you. I will fight for you. I will die for you. And again, becoming a knight is contagious, guys. Your son will want to follow you. You can win in the battle of the mind. You guys can do this. How do I know? Because you got the promised power from a resurrected Lord. You have the Holy Spirit of God living within, convicting us when we start to step off of that preordained path. Lord, don't let any iniquity have dominion in my life. I'm trusting you. To blow the whistle, be that referee. Let the peace of God rule, officiate in your heart that anytime I step out of line, you'll remind me and I'll obey you and I'll cry out for forgiveness. 
and I will be that night that you can be pleased with. Guys, you can do this, but our teenagers need models. They need examples, they do. The battle of the mind is the greatest battle we'll ever face in our life, but it's a battle that can be won by the God of heaven who has given us his precious word and his Holy Spirit. We can win. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please. Father, I just pray for all of us in this room. Today we will be tempted. Today many of us may fall. And you know that already. And we beat ourselves up sometimes, but you know our hearts. And when we fall, Father, please teach us to truly agree with you about our sin and seek your forgiveness once again. And you promise us you're faithful, you're fair, you're just to forgive us every time we fall. Lord, we don't want to fall. We want to love you more than we love ourselves. All of us desire to be an example for our kids and for our teens. Father, we want to raise young men who love you more than they love their flesh so they can marry our daughters and raise another generation of knights who truly are willing to live for you and to fight for you and to die for you. Make us men of your word. May your Holy Spirit continue to convict us. Please, 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 Father, don't stop convicting us. Don't give up on us. Help us to know when we're stepping out of line. Make us miserable. But then protect us from evil. Lead us not to temptation. Help us, Father, to stay away, to be wise in our daily decisions. And keep us from, you know, Father, that we all will face temptation, but you always make a way to escape. And you always give us like an exit ramp to get out of there before we would fall into the sin. And I want to thank you for doing that. But please, again, give us victory through your word and help us to love you and your word more than we love ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray.